Um, I give this example of say you're up in the mountains and it's pitch black outside and your GPS isn't working and you've got to get home and you turn your headlights on in your car and you can only see as far as those headlights show you. Right. Um, and, and if you just sit there, that's all you're going to see. But as soon as you start to move, uh, your headlights start to move and now you can see that much further. Um, and, and so as you're moving, the headlights now show you more and more of what's available and, and you get more and more information on what those next steps are. All right, guys, welcome back to the Venture Mentality Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jacob O'Connor, and today joining us is Jeremy Nevis. He is an entrepreneur, investor, and business consultant, and was most recently featured in the news for making a five-year-old's day and letting him ride in his Lamborghini. Jeremy, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, brother. Yeah, you're welcome. And this is such, such an interesting story where I want to start off with, and then we'll get into your background, but where I want to start off is how did what what provoked you to drive your Lamborghini down to Utah and to let this five year old ride in it? Yeah, so um, first I was just amazed, like I'm sure everybody else who hears this story. Like, there's this little boy; he's five years old. I've got a four and a half year old, and my four and a half year old. I mean, he's potty trained and everything, but but that's kind of the category I put him in. Is like, yeah, he's he's potty trained. He can do a few things on his own, but driving a car, absolutely not. You know. I just could never see him doing it. But um, when I saw this with this, this little boy, I was, I was amazed at like the success habits that he displayed um, in, in what he did. And so, um, you know, I, I felt like I needed to reach out to him. I needed to honor that. And, and it just so happened that, you know, he was, he took his parents' car to go buy a Lamborghini and uh, that was his dream. And for me, I had just recently purchased my dream car, which is also a Lamborghini um, about five, six months prior to. And so I felt like, Hey, I could bring his dream a little bit closer to him. And, uh, and that's, that's really what got me like, okay, I got, I got to reach out to this kid. I got to meet him. Those are my favorite types of stories to hear is like, whenever there's someone who's like, he, that kid went all for it, like all in, that's his dream. He went straight for it. And then there's someone like you who sees it and you're like, I can get him a step closer than what he made it to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's, what's cool about, that's cool. It's cool about vision, right? Um, when, when somebody has a big, big vision, it's crazy the amount of support that shows up to help you there because people are inspired by that. Um, I think so often people in life, um, they play a little bit smaller because one, they're waiting for permission from, from other people, uh, to tell them like, Hey, you can, you can have this, you can go after this. Um, and sometimes people feel like uncomfortable going for big things, thinking that other people will feel, um, people will doubt, people will question people, whatever. Uh, but I've seen the complete opposite. The people that I've seen in my life that show up and they go for like the big vision, they're the ones who end up, they're the crazy enough ones to believe in it. And then people believe in them and they want to help support them to, uh, to accomplish it. So that's what happened with this little boy. He, he had a big, big vision. He started before he was ready and he went after it. And, and that's why he got the support that showed up and helped him. And, and I wasn't the only one. <laughs> Yeah. And, and not to put you on the spot, but you had mentioned that like the people that come to your mind when you think about like shooting for big goals and things like that, could you list just a couple of them just so my audience has some like, uh, like they have a point of where they can start to research these people and learn from them and grow from them. Yeah, absolutely. So this little boy is, is a great example. We can dive into him more, but also I have a good friend. His name's 
Jason Harward. I don't know if you've had him on the show yet. If you haven't, we need to set that up. But Jason Harward and his, his wife, Jocelyn, they, um, they're incredible entrepreneurs and, you know, they, they do an e-commerce business and they've done really, really well. They've grown every year over year, but they set a goal. They were in a, in a, in a company meeting one day and Jason just threw out there and said, Hey, I want to do a million dollars in a day. And everyone in the room was like, yeah, right. I mean, our best day is like 150,000 in a day. And uh, so it was just kind of a, it was just kind of a pipe dream at that point to some people, but he, he was serious. And he just said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do a million dollars in a day. And, um, and, and immediately, uh, you know, people started to go, wow, he's serious. Let's, let's do this. And I mean, they, they, they documented their entire journey on social media and show people like, this is what we're doing this is what we're going after. And because they did that, they started telling more and more of, of the journey and the struggles and the, and the trials they ran into and more and more support showed up. Um, I'm not involved in their business or anything. A good friend of mine, but I was checking in with him daily. Like, Hey, how's it going? What's, what's it looking like building up for this? They were trying to do it on black Friday. And, um, and then the, the day of, I got updates every 30 minutes to an hour and about 10 o'clock at night, they were, they were a couple hundred thousand dollars short. So I cruised over to their office. I reached out to other friends of ours and a bunch of our friends showed up at the office and we started cold calling people that we knew on our, in our Rolodex and get, getting them to buy some of their product. And, uh, and at midnight, they, they hit their goal of a million dollars. And it was really wow. cool to see just like all over the map, people just showing up to help them reach that vision. And, I just, I feel like that's a common theme. You know, when people, people have a really, really big vision, people show up and they, they find a way to help. Man, when you were talking about like you guys, you calling your friends and showing up to help them out. Like I got the chills just thinking about that. Cause I could just like feel like you guys were all focused on helping him get to that one goal. Yeah, absolutely. We, we were. And that's, you know, that's what's, that's, what's really cool. One, having really good friends that, that want to support and want to see you win. And I think, I think so often, you know, we look on social media and it seems like people, people aren't cheering for you. They're cheering against you. I think that's what keeps people from going for it. Um, but when you actually show up and, and, and you go for something, people more often than not are actually there, they're inspired and they're there to help. And that's, that's, what's really cool. And that was fully on display there. Absolutely. And, and Jeremy, now I want to get more into your story. Tell us about what was it like growing up and how did you kind of get on the path to where you are now? Yeah. So I grew up in a, in a, a middle-class home. Um, I had, you know, three sisters and a, and a, and a younger brother and, and, a, and parents who were super ambitious, super supportive, super loving, and, um, and also entrepreneurial. And, and from a young age, they taught us how to work hard. Um, you know, from, from a very young age, I can remember, you know, having, uh, having school fundraisers and then encouraging us to go out and make ourselves uncomfortable and go door to door and, and hit these fundraisers and, and, and meet our duty. Um, you know, we had a, we were in a neighborhood where there was kids were getting cars when they turned 16, but that was not the case at our house. At our house, it's like, if you want a car when you turn 16, you better get to work now. Right. And, and so at a very young age, we started just working and, um, and they were always there to help us to, to, encourage us and to teach us and coach us, but they never did the work for us. And, um, and that really set me on the path that I was on. You know, it, it just taught me to work hard. And, and if you wanted something, you had to earn it. It wasn't just going to come easy. And, um, you know, I went through school and, and, uh, served a mission for my, for my church, which also helped, um, helped put me on the path that I'm on now. Um, I spent two years going door to door, preaching the gospel, um, full time, uh, away from home from, uh, 19 to 21. And, and 
um, when I came home, I, I jumped right into, uh, I jumped right into door to door. It was a natural progression, uh, selling internet phone and TV products and, um, and, uh, working for a company that was, that was doing that selling internet phone and TV products. And, and I caught on really, really quick. The first day I remember being out there on the doors, I had, you know, my trainer showing me, showing me how to do it. You know, it was kind of learn trial by fire. You go out, you watch somebody do it and then you go out and you do it yourself. And, and, uh, you know, I spent a little bit of time on the doors. Um, I came back to my, my trainer that night and I had four deals and all four of my deals, I'm like showing him and he's like, uh, you messed up here and this isn't correct. And this is wrong. And I had messed up three of those four deals and I had to go back to their house and I had to, you know, explain to them and I ended up losing those deals, but, but I learned how to do it. And that, that was just kind of, you know, I, I share that because for me, um, I just see this common theme of of, you know, being taught and encouraged, hey, go out and, and work hard and figure this stuff out. Um, I never found myself being the smartest guy in the room, uh, a guy who was, you know, book smart or anything else, but it was go out and, and try and fail and learn and repeat and do it all over again. And, um, and from there, I, I grew with inside the company, um, became a, a manager, a regional manager, ran, ran a, a large group of, of uh, salespeople for the summer that year and then came home from that came home from that summer and, and started my own company. I don't know how far you want to go into that, but yeah, that's, that's kind of like the upbringing and what got me kind of on the, on the path that I got to. So at what point though, did like the idea that, Hey, you could run your own company kind of pop into your head. Cause it's two completely separate things to be doing well in a company and then to actually run one. Yeah, absolutely. So a couple things, I would say the biggest uh, thing that, that caught my, my interest was, um, again, I always started as kind of come back to that Adrian thing and why I admired you know, the five-year-old boy. He started before he was ready. I, I don't think I was ready to start a company. Um, I know I wasn't ready to start a company. I don't think I knew what it took. Um, I knew that I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, but, um, in that company, I had recruited, um, a lot of people to come in and work and knock doors and, and sell with us. And a lot were family and friends. And I put my name on the line and it was my reputation all growing up. That was, that was something that we were taught how important our reputation was. And, and, um, and you know, the experience with that company wasn't incredible. Um, you know, they tried hard, but, um, at the end of the day, people weren't getting paid what they were supposed to get paid. There was, uh, the operations was not there to support the sales. And, um, and I felt accountable. I felt responsible for my people. And so it was just this decision that I, I came to. It was like, I see the opportunity in the business. I saw the opportunity. I, I grew really fast from a salesperson to a manager, to a regional manager. And I thought I understood, you know, the, uh, a pretty big picture of what was available. Um, and I also knew that I didn't know parts of the business, but I also knew that my reputation was more important. So if I was going to stay in this, it was, it was really one choice. If I was going to continue with this opportunity, I had to have more control. I had to be the owner. I had to have my name on the line um, in, in more ways than just, you know, recruiting them. And so that was the transition. It, it made it really simple. And so I just made the decision. I'm going to stop, stop working here. I'm going to go start small. And from day one, um, even though I'm sales minded and that was the experience that I had, I'm going to put a focus on operations and make sure that I can support the sales in order to grow and, and create a good opportunity for me to feel comfortable enough to bring family and friends and anyone that I care about into the company. 
So as you talked about in the beginning, starting before you're ready, um, you and I were talking off camera and I kind of feel like I'm in that same spot as where you were, where you're like, you don't know everything that's going on. You just kind of jumped into it and you know, you're not ready, but you know, it needs to be done. So with that being said, like, how did you fill in the gaps of what you didn't know? Yeah. So I have a, I have a, I have actually have a process that I go through and I've kind of, um, uh, you know, for years and years I was doing this unconsciously. Um, but it's, it's recently become something where I've looked at all of the different successes that I've had, all of the different achievements that I've had. And I broke it down to these seven steps that I, that I, I follow. Um, and starting is, is, is step number one. And so I'll, I'll kind of break through this with you is this is how I fill in those gaps. Step one is show up. Show up means move. You got to start. You got to get going. If you have a vision, you have, you have to know what, obviously what it is that you want. Um, you want to start this venture mentality company. You want to grow this thing. You don't see all of the gaps, but you do see, you do see that that is your vision. So take one, one step, whether it's a small step, big step, whatever else, and move in that direction. You're doing it. You start on, you started the podcast, uh, you start your apparel, you get going. Um, once you get going, once you move, what happens is you have to be open. You have to be open and, and teachable. And I call it the next step is see it. So these are the seven S's of strategy. You got to see it. You got to see the opportunity. And that means you have to look. So as you're moving in the direction of your vision, you've got to be looking for opportunities. You got to be open and aware and looking for opportunities. And what happens? It's like, um, I give this example of say you're up in the mountains and it's pitch black outside and your GPS isn't working and you've got to get home and you turn your headlights on in your car and you can only see as far as those headlights show you. Right. Um, and, and if you just sit there, that's all you're going to see. But as soon as you start to move, uh, your headlights start to move and now you can see that much further. Um, and, and so as you're moving, the headlights now show you more and more of what's available and, and you get more and more information on what those next steps are. Um, step three is, is to say it. Say it means to talk. You've got to open your mouth. Um, you know, we've got our vision and we're going after our vision, but the way that our vision comes to fruition is through other people. And so we've got to open our mouth. We've got to share the message. We've got to let other people know what it is that we're doing. Um, and we've got to ask for help. We've got to ask for support. Um, proclaim our vision just like the Harwards did. Hey, we're going to hit a million dollars in a day. And then they got to start reaching out and they got to start asking for advice and support and, and they share their, you know, their journey and, and what's going on and, and they allow other people to come and join in on the vision and, and, and help out there. So, um, so show up, see it, say it. And then the, the fourth one is to seize it. Um, to seize it means to claim. So what happens so often is you get to this opportunity, um, you know, to, uh, to make a decision, to just act. Um, like for you, it would be, I'm going to start this podcast. You got to just claim it. You've got to, you've got to take action. When somebody says, yes, I can do this. I can, I can hop on the show or, you know, you get a, a purchase order or something like that. You've got to take action. You got to claim it. Um, what, what I found is that so often people will, they'll get all the way right up to their opportunity to claim, claim parts of their vision. And then they're scared or they think, you know, why me? Why don't I let somebody else go first? Or why don't I give pass this up to somebody else? Or um, you know, I'm not ready yet. You got to claim it. You got to take action. You got to step in and, and take over. And then the, the next one is study it. Um, study it makes it very easy to start to show up because if I know that step six or sorry, step five is to, is to study it. Um, I know that no matter what I'm going to learn. Um, cause that's what study it means. It means to learn. And so, um, 
you know, so often we don't want to start because we don't want to fail. We feel like we have one shot at things and that's not true. It's actually completely backwards. There's no such thing as failing. It's only learning. And so knowing that we're going to take all these steps, we're going to seize it. And then we're going to study what happened. We're going to study what's working and what's not working. We're not going to focus on that was right or that was wrong. We're going to focus on working or not working either it worked or it didn't work. And if it worked, how can I do more of that? And if it didn't work, what else do I need to do uh, in order to change that? And then um, the next S is to shift it. Um, shift it means to adapt. Um, you know, you adapt to the circumstances. So um, whether it worked or whether it didn't work, you're going to adapt and you're going to implement those things that you learned um, uh, going forward. And then the last one is start higher. And um, start higher means to reach. So when we've gone through this process, um, we got to take the, the information that we've learned and we've got to expand our vision. So our vision may have been here. Now our vision needs to be here. It's a vision expander. And instead of starting down here at the ground floor, we're starting at a higher place. And um, we're going after with this new knowledge, this new information. That's how you fill in all of the gaps. And that's how you eventually just end up where you are. Wow. When I asked that question, I was not really expecting the full <laughs> seven steps with all the detail. That was absolutely perfect, man. Yeah. I appreciate awesome. that. Yeah. yeah um, and so now how did you, you talk a lot about having these seven steps, right? And then you also have, whenever you're coaching different businesses, you talk about vision, culture, and strategy. So could you, you know, just kind of articulate what these three things mean to you? I don't think that it's like the ordinary sense of like, physically seeing something, stuff like that. I think it's more of like the business sense of like creating it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, vision, culture, and strategy. I, I first start with vision and, and, and in vision, it's asking, answering these two questions. One, where are you? Um, where are you today and where do you want to be? Um, so if you look at your, if you look at your, your uh, business vision, it's where do you want to be? And, and getting really, really clear what I think um, I find with so many people is that, um, once they get, once they start their business, they know where they want to be. Um, but once they get going in business, they get more focused on where they don't want to be. They focus on what they don't want instead of what they do want. You know, a lot of people with the Adrian situation with his car is they were more focused on what they didn't want to have happen. They didn't want him to wreck. They didn't want him. He could have hurt somebody. He could have, you know, all of these things could have gone wrong and that's what they focused on. But for me, I was focused on the fact that he didn't get hurt, that he, and that on the other side, you know, he went after his dream and I want more people to go after their dream. I want more people to start before they're ready. I want more people to not take no for an answer. I want more people, you know, so where, where do you want to be? Um, what, what do you want? And, and when you identify those two things, it shows you the gap. It shows you where you are and where you want to be. And, and in that gap, what I found is most people now jump to strategy. Okay, so what's the strategy now to get from where I am to where I want to be? And instead of jumping to strategy, and you've probably heard this saying, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Culture is far more important than strategy, but people skip that step more often than not, and they go straight to strategy. But culture answers the questions of who do I need to become? So who do I need to become in order to accomplish that vision? So if there's a place you want to be, who do you need to become in order to, in order to reach that? And, and who am I today? Um, who am I today? What parts of, of my culture? Cause culture is identity. Culture is who you are. Um, it's who you are as a business. It's who you are as an individual. Those two align with each other. Um, and, and when you answer the question of who do I need to become in order to accomplish that vision, 
you know, it may be, well, I need to be courageous. You know, I, I need to have courage. I need to become a leader. What, is, what, is, what does it take to become courageous and to become a leader? Well, for, uh, in, as a leader, the most important quality is trust. So I need to become somebody who's trustable and I need to take, I need to have courage. That means I need to show up. I need to keep starting. And when you answer the questions of who I need to become, it reveals to you what your strategy is. Because once you know, I've got to become a leader and I got to become courageous. Well, what are all the things that somebody who's a leader and a, and a courageous leader does? Well, there's your strategy, right? And, um, and, and so that's what I usually break down is like, where are you, where are you at? Where do you want to be? Who are you and who do you need to become? Culture is the most important part of all of that. And, and as, you, as you break into culture more and more, you start to identify your values. You, you start to under, uh, understand how your values uh, need to be in alignment with your vision and it reveals to you your strategy. And then in strategy, um, again, it's following what the culture uh, revealed to you as well as those seven steps. And that's usually where I jump into those seven steps that I, I went through with you, the seven, seven S's of strategy. Um, and what's really cool about that, um, you know, we talk about culture revealing your strategy. Well, strategy becomes part of your culture. Uh, if that makes sense. If I talk about those seven S's, those seven S's are no longer a strategy for me. They're just who I am. I show up. I'm somebody who shows up. And how do you show up? Well, you show up, you know, with a lot of energy and with openness and with being teachable and adaptable. Right. And seeing it like I'm hyper aware. I see all of these different things. I'm, I'm very aware. And, and I find opportunities, right? So it just becomes a part of you. And that's, that's, that's the cycle of just culture, vision, and strategy. I love how well that connects there. And not to take too hard of a right, but Jeremy, what have you been up to lately business-wise? What have you been doing to keep yourself busy? Yeah. So um, I, I exited the company about a year ago um, and I've been doing some consulting. So I'm, I'm doing business consulting. I'm doing some coaching, some one-on-one -on -one coaching. And I'm creating some online courses uh, to be able to, to teach individuals who are either entrepreneurs looking to grow their business or aspiring entrepreneurs uh, getting into business. Wow, that seems perfect based off, you know, the 10 steps you just provided me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, Jeremy, as we start to wrap things up here, where can people find you online if they want to reach out or learn more about you? Yeah. So I've got a website at jeremynevis.com. You can find me on uh, Instagram uh, where I'm heavily at and Facebook and it's just Jeremy Nevis underscore um, Nevis is seven backwards. So it's kind of easy to remember. Oh, that's cool. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll link those in the description. So you guys listening can just swipe up and check that out. Jeremy, before we go, I've got one last question, but first a little bit of background for you. Yeah. So when you die, the only thing that matters is the difference that you made or the impact that you had. So that being said, what difference or what impact are you looking to make? Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> that's a, that's a deep, straight question. So, um, so the, the biggest difference that I want to have made, um, or the impact that I want to have made is that people, when people are asked, um, when their people are asked about me and their experience of me, I want people to respond with, um, how I made them feel about themselves. I want to always leave people better than I find them. And so anyone who's speaking at my funeral or talking about me at my funeral, I just imagine, you know, what would, would make me the most fulfilled is that if, if I had thousands, if not millions of people that were saying the way Jeremy made me feel about myself when I was with him was X and it was that they were good enough, that they were loved, that they were special, that I cared, 
Um, and that, that I went out of my way to do the best that I could to make them feel that way. I think that would be a, a magnificent way to, to go out and, and uh, a legacy to leave.